When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Kool-Aids. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And in today's episode, Roy Nemmer of Mundo Alveceliste joins me as we preview the World Cup matches this weekend. Roy is always a pleasure to have on the show. I really enjoy speaking to him about all things football and English FA. If you are listening, Roy and I are available for coaching, strategy, and analytics, as you'll hear in this episode. Roy and I had some ideas for England for their matchup against France. Before we get into that conversation, a quick word from today's sponsor, NordVPN. Do you ever get frustrated that you can't watch certain live sport events because they aren't televised or available in your country? Well, with NordVPN, you can say goodbye to those frustrating restrictions. NordVPN is a virtual private network or VPN that allows you to access content from anywhere in the world. With NordVPN, you can connect to servers in different countries and bypass geographic restrictions on streaming services. This means you can watch live sports, TV shows, and movies from anywhere in the world without any annoying blackouts or censorship. In addition to providing access to global content, NordVPN also offers top-notch security and privacy. With NordVPN, your internet connection is encrypted and your IP address is hidden, so you can browse the web anonymously and securely. This means you can protect yourself from hackers and government surveillance and enjoy the internet with peace of mind. And right now, our listeners can get an exclusive offer. If you go to nordvpn.com slash Barca, you can get four months of NordVPN absolutely free. That's right. Four months of top-notch security and global access absolutely free. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Unlock the full potential of the internet with NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash Barca and get four months for free today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everyone, we were all agreeing. Morocco is a scary team because they're not scared of Spain. They have good players that can play. They're direct, right? And you saw that. You saw that. All right, so let's let's get into this because you know I, I love when we just like start talking about this, you know, like random um, stuff that should have been. Yeah, recorded. yeah, but still, it's good, it's good. <laughs> Obviously, I was speaking to Roy Number of Mundo Alvesolista, and you know, we were just kind of just talking a little bit before about the Spain here, but really, what I brought you in is because. Now that my two teams are eliminated, that is obviously Spain and the U.S., uh, obviously my full support now goes to Argentina because I really want to see Messi get to the the top of the peak here. And, you know, how are you seeing Argentina so far in this tournament? Are they still kind of making you nervous in these knockout rounds with 200% dependency on Messi? Um, well, I'll, I'll say this. I think the team is getting better every mm-hmm. single match. I think, and I, and I said this after the loss to Saudi Arabia, this will either make the team or it's going to break them. I said if they beat Saudi Arabia, they're going to go very far in the tournament. This was the wake-up call they needed. And good thing it came in the first round, sorry, in the first game of the World Cup and not in a knockout stage game at the World Cup. Uh, does this team still give me heart attacks five times or ten <laughs> times a game? Absolutely. Uh, always have and potentially always will. It's, it's Argentina. You cannot watch Argentina and cheer for Argentina and not suffer. Mm-hmm. I've gone through this, not just myself, but I guess any Argentina fan, for as long as I've been watching, which is well over 25 years now, 25, 26 years. And every single turn, you look back, it doesn't matter. It, 98 against England went to the court, uh, went to the round of 16 penalty kicks. Uh, then they lost in the Netherlands, 2002, and I'm going to talk about it. The heartbreak of 2006, the humiliation of 2010, 2014, you know, Argentina won the World Cup against the Netherlands in the semifinals. That's where the tournament ended for me. 2018, we don't even discuss. Every single game, every single tournament, every single World Cup game, Copa America game, doesn't matter. There's, like, it takes like 10 years off my life. <laughs> and the match against Australia, the final five minutes, yeah, that, that took probably like centuries off my life, not, <laughs> not yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, that, that match, you know, it seemed pretty comfortable right up until about the 80th minute and we were i was watching the match at a pub with some friends and we were laughing about the australia goal because the guy hit that ball so bad right and then it ricochets off one of the Argentine defenders it goes right into the goal and we were laughing it's like ah it's the old boomerang shot from ozzy you know from the the the, the socceroos you know what has has Scaloni adapted or changed some of his tactics from the saudi arabia game to now or is it just more the team just being more focused with that first match scare against Saudi Arabia? Um, I, I think it's more the team is more focused because, honestly speaking, in the first game against Saudi Arabia, the team created several chances in the first half for as much slack as people like to give them against against Saudi Arabia in the second half, saying they created nothing. And sure, you know, I think there was a mental block in that second half, absolutely. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact of three offside goals disallowed in the first half, one of which to this day is still kind of debatable. Um, and I think that took a toll on it, on the team. And, and it was a shock because they went undefeated for about two years. The match against Mexico, I, I think Scaloni 
I, I don't think there was any coach or, or any team in the world that would have played that Mexico game the way that any normal team would play, just because the pressure was on them. They had to win no matter what, right? And I think we saw uh, that Argentina team, we've, we've become accustomed to against Poland. And we saw that even more, I think, against Australia. So I think it's just a team now going back to playing how they were, playing with that confidence. And, you know, Scaloni did some tweaks, yes, uh, in the second game, third game, and fourth game. Essentially, when Argentina would score a goal, goal and go a go up, sorry, go a, a goal up, he would go with three at the back, right? Or technically five at the back, three center backs and the two fullbacks. Um, and that's something that we have seen. But that's something that, he tried a couple of times when he first took over as coach in 2018. We saw that a couple of times. We saw, for example, Marcos Acuna playing left wing at one point. Uh, we saw it in the Copa America final when Tagliafico came on. So now I think it's more of the team playing with confidence, playing how they know that they can play. And Scaloni, yes, making some tactical adjustments, but I think it has more to do with the team playing with confidence more than anything right now. Yeah, it makes sense, you know, and, and the thing is, obviously, with that first match scare, right? And like you said, in that first half, Argentina dominated. They had two goals called off, and they were rolling, essentially, because I, I remember specifically, I was working, and I thought they scored three, and when I went to look at the score, it was only one. I was like, well, what happened, you know? And when I was watching the replays, I was like, wow, they are just schooling Saudi Arabia. So maybe sometimes, you know, in these matches or in these t- type of tournaments, you get this kind of early scare to really harness and focus the team even further. And maybe that's what Argentina is going through. Now you guys are playing the Netherlands. Obviously the Netherlands are, I wouldn't say as sexy as before, but they still are very athletic. They are, they've got some superstar players, obviously any things you're looking at against this Netherlands team that they're doing that concerns you that Argentina might have trouble handling in this match. Yeah, it's, it's going to be something, well, Look, it's a Louis van Gaal team, so mm-hmm. we know to a certain degree what to expect. And anytime you go up against one of his teams, it's they're difficult to break down, right? He spoke about, for example, in 2014, saying Messi barely touched the ball and Messi was ineffective. Yeah, but Messi could have still had two assists in extra time alone, right? And part of that reason, part of the reason why maybe Messi didn't see much of the ball was the Netherlands were just set up in such a way where... It was so defensive and just trying to hit us on the counter. And I think that's what we're going to get now. So I think Argentina have to be very cautious. I think they're going to have to win the ball back very quickly because the Netherlands are very, you know, they're a very sharp team. They're a very technical team. They've always been technical, right? Look at their teams throughout history. Very technical players, very smart players. And I think they could potentially get us on the counter. I think that's something that we're going to have to be careful of, uh, very, very careful of. Um, aside from that, for us, it's we're going to have to take our chances, right? Whenever you play against the Netherlands, you got to take your chances. It's a quarterfinal game. We know how they're going to set up. You might not get too many opportunities, and you got to take them. And yes, the Netherlands are probably going to get some chances as well. It's usually how a knockout game works. Any, you know, both teams are going to get sure. their chances. Um, and for us, it's it might be a lot on the wing. You know, I could definitely see the Netherlands attacking from the wings maybe more than, than centrally. Uh, but overall, I, I think that's what it is. We have to be patient with the ball. We cannot rush things. 
Um, and especially if the Netherlands have possession of the ball, we have to be very, very smart in our uh, in our defending and in our pressing as well. Because, uh, like I said, they're you know they're, they're a technically strong team and uh, confidence are very high and no reason not to be if you're a Netherlands fan with the way they've been playing, uh, especially in the last game. Yeah, I think this team too, especially, doesn't have that pressure that they usually have. You know, and I don't know if that's because. Maybe they're not talent laden like they usually have been, you know, and there's kind of been that extra pressure. I feel as, you know, everyone's talking about everyone else, right? France, you know, obviously Morocco being the upset, Argentina, obviously. And the Netherlands have just kind of just methodically gone through what they needed to do. I think for me, you know, you know, obviously I know I think you guys are going to have more possession on, on the day. I look at it, though, uh, what the Netherlands are going to do physically. I think if it goes into extra time, it's really going to affects you guys a little bit almost like boxing you know like body punch body punch after 90 minutes and then how that's going to affect you guys i definitely think you're gonna have to probably take advantage at every opportunity you guys have early in the first half to try to get that advantage and again you know we've seen scaloni kind of go through the lineup a little bit with di maria in di maria out do you see di maria starting and also do you see enzo starting as well yeah i see both players starting uh di maria Probably a personal vendetta against, against <laughs> uh, uh, and and not just that. I mean, he did miss the 2014 match, you know, in the semifinals. And I think as well, having that week's rest essentially for Di Maria helped him a lot. Uh, I think even if he's at 80 percent and not 100, he's still going to play. I think he is at 100 um, percent. I, I don't doubt he will start. I think Enzo starts kind of no matter what. He's been that that glue, that revelation almost for uh, for Argentina and midfield since he came in in, in uh, the second game. Uh, and I think both players would, will be key in starting. Uh, Di Maria out wide on the wings, very dangerous one-on-one, has a great shot, uh, you know, can play a one-two, knows how to play a pass, connects well with Messi and has that experience, right? Been there, done that kind of thing. And Enzo is is fearless. Yeah, he, I think that's the biggest thing, right? That that's right. I don't know if it's youth is ignorance or whatever you <laughs> call it, but he's he's fearless. He always has been. Hopefully, always will be. And um, you know, he's he's tenacious as well. Uh, and like I said, he's been uh, he's been the glue in that Argentina team. He's been that spark in mm-hmm. that Argentina team when uh, we've needed him the most. Yeah, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? And I think you sometimes need that fearlessness and just take shots, you know. And we've been seeing that. I think you know not to go back onto one of your older teams, but I think this match would, you know, if you had Hernan Crespo as the point man, I think, oh my God, just to, just to occupy Virgil, right? Just to occupy him and yeah. then you guys can work all that behind him. I think yeah. that's what makes France one of the most potent attacks, right? Because they have Giroud and Giroud is so effective, obviously. And then you have all the activity behind him. And I think this would be a perfect match for a Crespo type to help you guys out, just to have the point, you know? No, of course, and and Crespo is the type of player that loved to physically get close yeah. to the defender. Had no problem fighting off, you know, fighting them off, and and making that diagonal run off the shoulder. Uh, we have Alvarez, right? Julian Alvarez, who to a certain degree knows. I, mean, I want to say knows Van Dyke, but you know, playing the same league. Sure. Um, scored against him in the Community Shield, so there's that. One at Manchester City. <laughs> okay. uh, look, I'm trying to get any positives here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I uh, hear you. I hear you. <laughs> 
But you no, know, you know, really, uh, you know, really also, this is the type of match where, you know, if we look at the Mexico match, you know, I, I feel like it was one of the most important matches for Messi. And I think to get through that and obviously score, and then on top of that with the Australia game, to get through that as well, I think he's at a moment now where he's completely playing with a lot of confidence. And obviously it just takes one special moment from him, which is, you know, the variable that you cannot account for in all the scouting and tactics. Absolutely. No, I'm sorry. A thousand percent. I, I agree. That goal, for example, against Mexico came from nothing. It yeah. yeah. Pass from Di Maria. According to Di Maria, it wasn't a great pass either. But <laughs> controlled it, got his, his shot away very, very quickly. Um, the Australia one as well through the, the defender's legs. You're always going to get that one, you know, or more often than not, you're always going to get that one messy chance, that one moment of magic, so to speak. Hopefully we get several of them tomorrow and hopefully he's able to, to score all of them. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, what I like about this team and what I like about Messi is, you know, I think he knows deep down this is probably his last, you know, not sound cliche, but the last dance, right? So yeah, yeah. But this time around, you also have players kind of bailing him out to a certain degree. I mean, against Poland, he missed the penalty. And that yeah. was a match that Argentina could not afford to lose. He missed that penalty like 50 seconds in, 52 seconds in, Alexis McAllister scores. Sure. Not the prettiest goal in the world, yeah, he scores. Yeah. And that relieves the pressure. Alvarez scores out of nowhere against Mexico. Yes, he he you know opened he opened it up, so to speak, but that shot by Enzo Fernandez, I don't know how many players in that Argentina team would take that shot. You might pass it or overthink it and i think we're seeing more of that uh, this world cup around this time more than maybe you know in, in a couple of world cups probably since messi really really started or at least 2014 or 2010 uh that you know they they do rely on messi and i think that's normal yeah. but to a certain degree they also step it up uh when need be so that's that's very very comforting to see yeah and the last thing i would say is you know going through these stage so far there's other players that have contributed so it's not just completely out messy right so you know as we talked about the enzo goal against mexico i mean that gives you confidence going forward for this crucial match because again you know it's it's a little bit of luck opportunity and just taking those conversions when you can get limited opportunities right in these big matches right and that's what it comes down to so you know obviously uh i'll be supporting and pulling for argentina tomorrow night watching uh, it's eight o'clock here, local time here in Spain. Before that match, uh, Brazil and Croatia play, and Brazil have basically not even broken a sweat in, in this tournament so far. I was not as high on Brazil coming into this tournament. Just I don't know. I just lately I just haven't been that impressed with Brazil. I just think they're way on attack and nothing on defense. But they have really been flying by in this tournament unscathed. They're playing Croatia tomorrow at four o'clock. Anything you're looking at here, does Croatia actually fight back here against Brazil or is it just almost another walkover? For, oh, I see you shaking. Another walkover for Brazil. <laughs> unfortunately. Unfor I'm, not dis I'm not counting Croatia out. Yeah. Um, I would not be sad if Croatia won. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've, I had and I still have Brazil as probably the – favorite along with France uh, at this World Cup. They're, tactically speaking, they have a great coach, a very, very good coach. They have the experience. Uh, they have the players. We have Messi. They have Neymar, right? Like, yeah. they're, he's their Messi, and, and he's playing great. He 
tends to always play very good at World Cups. He's been unlucky previously with injuries in the in previous editions, but he's playing well. They have a great attack. Uh, they have a, let's say, a combative midfield and an experienced backline and a great goalkeeper as well in, in uh, Allison. Yeah. So when you combine all of that, and they're on a high as well, you know, and I think they're going to have too much uh, against Croatia. I think it's going to be too much for Croatia. Um, I'm not saying they're not going to put up a fight, but I think as soon as Brazil score, I think that's it. I think yeah. that's that. Um, Almost like be much. Yeah, almost against South Korea, how that happened. The floodgates just opened really quick. To, yeah, to, to a certain degree. The only thing is, I might say, you know, Croatia obviously does have more experience than South Korea and probably more talent on paper. But yeah, once that first goal goes in, I'm expecting the second one to, to go in relatively sooner uh, rather than later. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna say something, and I know oh. people are going to listen and be like, oh, he's very biased, and he's this. I want everybody to hear me out, okay? Um I'm not saying Argentina are going to beat the Netherlands. They could, they can't. You know, who knows? It could really go either way. All I'm saying is, out of all of the teams at this World Cup, France aside, I think the only team capable of beating Brazil is Argentina, just because of that rivalry, because of what happened at the Copa America. Uh, with that said, I think if both teams were to face each other, I think Brazil would kind of be out for blood, would be out for revenge, so that would make it you know, very interesting. That's why I, I don't see like I've watched Croatia at this World Cup. I watch other teams at this World Cup. I don't see anyone capable of really stopping Brazil's back uh, Brazil's attack. To be yeah. very honest, it's they're deadly. I have to tell you, I'm just always nervous on a team that hasn't suffered at all to this point. I I, I agree, absolutely, I agree. But we're so far deep into the tournament. Oh, I know. Where I'm not saying they're not going to suffer, they, you know, everything sure. suffers no matter what. Sure. Right? But you know, I think maybe the match that they lost as well in the group stages, maybe that was a bit of a wake up call. Like, hey, we're not completely invincible. Let's and I know that was their B team essentially, but yeah, like, yeah hey, yeah. let's let's wake up, let's do this. And man, they're on a high. The, the confidence, the win against South Korea, it's yeah. that's got to do wonders to your morale. I think the biggest thing in this match for Croatia to be in it and to give a you know a really good fight back to Brazil is just to defend really strong as they can. And when they take their opportunities on corner kicks and free kicks to try to convert those, I think Croatia has a fighting chance to hold a shutout for at least the first half. But then how many times can you hold off the big bad wolf, right? I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> it's it's the it's the attack it's really going to be the difference um, yeah yeah and and that that's not taking anything away from the midfield of the back line the goalkeeper but Neymar the way he's been playing Richarlison the way he's been playing yeah uh, Anthony for example Vinicius even Rodrigo off the bench they it's it's Brazil you know what I mean and and Brazil's always dangerous no matter what and especially when they're at a high and you know, for maybe for Neymar as well, this could be his swan song too. So maybe he's playing, you know, at a higher level than he normally would as well. P- potentially knowing that this could be his last World Cup. Yeah. Well, on Saturday we got two matches as well. Let's go into the first one at four o'clock local time here in Spain, Morocco and Portugal. As we were talking before, uh, we were talking about Spain and the Morocco match. And you know, I've been hearing this on other podcasts as well, but the benching of Ronaldo. 
I think has unleashed this team that I didn't realize that they were as dangerous as they are because the slaughtering they put on the other night, it was not even close with the Swiss team. And the way they were able, able to go up and down that pitch, I, I don't know, man. Portugal looks really strong, especially without Ronaldo on the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I got flamed for this on Twitter because I, I tweeted out after the win saying, you know, I had Portugal as my dark horse before the start of the tournament. And people were like, well, what are you talking about? They're a great team. How could you not have them as favorites? And one of the reasons, or probably the main reason why I did not have them as favorites, and I pray to God I don't end up eating my words, is because I did not think Ronaldo would ever get benched. And to a certain degree, and I'm not saying this, oh, this guy hates Ronaldo, he's pro Messi, he's pro Argentina, nothing like that. I really thought Ronaldo was holding this team back to a certain degree in terms of their actual potential, their full potential. So that's why I kind of had him as a dark horse. But if you look at the players they have, they got talent all across in really every single position. I mean, Pepe is like 84 years old and he's still, <laughs> he's still going, you know, I, I, I you know, um, you know, we say that jokingly, but he's still, uh, he's still rock solid. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Joao Felix is a different Felix than what we see at, at Atletico Madrid, completely different. Uh, Ruben Diaz, another one as well. And they just, they have that experience. They have that talent. They have that youth. And, now that they were able to, you know, open the floodgates against um, against Switzerland, I think it's going to be a bit too much for Morocco. I pray and hope to God I'm wrong. I will be cheering Morocco on with everything I have. Me too. And after the match against Argentina, how much, I don't know how much I'm going to have left, anyways. But <laughs> I'm going to be cheering them on. Uh, you know, but I think I think Portugal, especially the way they performed in the last match, and yeah. we're just talking about confidence as well. I think. Uh, not to say Morocco's not confident, you know, they eliminated Spain, one of the one of the tournament favorites, sure. but um, I think Morocco just looked physically dead at, at the end of the 120 minutes against uh, against Spain, and that could be a, a factor as well uh, going against them. So I'm gonna have to go with uh, with Portugal, and who knows what would happen with them in the rest of the tournament. I mean, just like you mentioned, with Ronaldo being on the field defensively it was almost like they were a man down because you don't have him tracking and doing the pressing and now when you take him out and you put someone youthful that can actually run around it's amazing the pressing they were able to do on the swiss team and the swiss team was just not prepared for this speed you know it was just they thought that they were gonna have ronaldo over there camping out and just being able to work that around and like you said Jao felix is a completely different player you have the midfield that is just i mean you know, when I look at this midfield, the way they're able to drive forward with pace and aggressiveness and actually take chances, that always scares me when I look at these teams that are left in this tournament. Because, again, these players, again, it's confidence, right, recovery, because you're going to have a short time. The teams that are not going – that didn't have extra time always plays in their favor. So that's the thing that we were talking about with Morocco, right, playing this 120, even though they're a younger team as well. But we'll see how that affects them in this match. Now – the last match, which I think is one of the most delicious matchups uh, of this weekend, is obviously England versus France. And, you know, I love this French team. Basically, I'm just in awe of the physical physicalness that they have. I mean, all over the board, especially on the attacking part and also in their midfield. Does England have a hope and a prayer against this team or is France just going to run away with this? I I hope France runs away with this. 
I truly <laughs> want to run away with it. I, I cannot stomach. And I, I say this as a fan, right? Nothing against yeah, yeah. Me, but like I can't stomach England in the semifinal. And them against Portugal would be the death of me if Argentina doesn't kill me tomorrow. <laughs> um, but uh, look, I think on on paper you look at it, and it's it's a good England team by all means. Sure, right? sure, it's sure. Very good England team. We're not discrediting them. France have that X factor in Mbappe, like a big, big X factor. Um, I I tweeted out jokingly. I said, you know, uh, Mbappe is going to Marcos Rojo, Kyle Walker. Uh, <laughs> you know, Rojo kind of started beating up Mbappe in the round of 16 four years ago. Um, but you know, you, you look at this French team, and they're they're on a high as well, and they they haven't suffered too much either at this World Cup. You know, last group stage match again, but. I mean, look at France, look at Mbappe, the form that he's in. Yeah. Griezmann is, Griezmann again, a different Griezmann than the one we're getting at Atletico. Um, Dembele, a completely different Dembele than we get at Barcelona. And then you have Giroud as well. And Giroud is, he has that experience. And, and I always thought Giroud was underrated, especially with France, because I thought he was vital in them winning the World Cup four years ago. I think he was very, very underrated. And a lot of people didn't really talk about him, probably because he didn't score any goals, but just his hold up play and the way he was able to. To, to mesh with his teammates. Um, yet it's scary because here we are talking about France in the quarterfinals and them being favorites to a certain degree against England, yet they have like six starters that are missing in Conte and Pogba and, and you know, yeah. Hernandez and, and everyone else that they have. Uh, and it's scary. Um, it's England's going to have to take their chances. I think they're, they're absolutely, they're going to get some chances. They're going to have to take them. I think uh, I, I'm expecting... I don't know what to expect. Like, part of me expects a low-scoring game, and then another part of me thinks they're just going to go all-out attack oh, both yeah, teams, yeah. and they're going to get chances, and it's going to end in like a World Cup Classic or something. Um, I could see both teams making the semis, man. There's no clear favorite here. I want France to win. I think they win, but I have the small part of me, that, that <laughs> negative part of me that thinks England kind of pulls it off. Um, but I'm gonna have to go with France, but the, the quality, the way the form Mbappe is in, he's had like five goals yeah, in this yeah. World Cup already, or something. And the form he's in, the form that attack is in, we, we spoke about Brazil. France is just as dangerous, just as dangerous. And Hugo Lloris on his day turns into a world beater, yeah. Yet on the opposite side of the spectrum, can let in the worst possible Correct. shot ever. So you don't know what you're gonna get with him. I definitely think he's the weakest link of the of the team for sure Same. on paper. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, you know, when I look at let's say if we're comparing attacks of Brazil and France, I just think France has infinite amount of options to attack, right? Along with the speed with Griezmann, a uh, high-end ball compared to Brazil, right? I mean, Brazil has a lot, but I just think the way that Griezmann can break you down, the way Mbappe can be special the way you can just throw junk up there to Giroud, right? And you just yeah. have all these things going on. And looking at this this match, I always look at matchups with this thing. And I just think, you know, if you're looking at Stones and Maguire against this quad attack, I mean, Stones and Maguire have to play the game of their effing life, essentially. Yeah. Make yeah. no mistakes. And that is – and first, and the other thing is they're not fast. So how are they going to be able to cover – the speed of Dembele and Mbappe in the wings. And then on, on top of that, 
not let Griezmann create through the middle because you just have you just your head's on a constant swivel. You got Giroud yeah. posting you up, then all of a sudden you got Mbappe, and you're like, oh man, I gotta go chase. And then all of a sudden Griezmann parries the back, and it's like goal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I yeah. think that's going to be the biggest headache matchup for. England, if you're going to look at this, I don't know if they put another defender back there, you know, another midfielder to help in front to post up. I think that's what I would, you know, I was telling my English friend, I said, if I were Southgate, I would say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Griezmann out of this match completely. I'm going to put a guy like a box in one, like in basketball, just have Henderson. Henderson, you're on Griezmann the whole match. Make Griezmann work so hard to get that pass because he's the vital cog to get from the midfield onto the attacking right maybe if you take him out it throws him out of sorts enough where you're going to take your chances yeah exactly what do you think yeah. you like that plan i i honestly i agree because yes mbappe and belly they're gonna get all the blood yeah yeah no matter what you know so far anyways they've gotten them. but Griezmann for me has been that linchpin he's been connecting everyone together and he's just the ultimate box-to-box false defensive midfielder false left back false center back there is in the game Griezmann is everywhere on the pitch for France. It's ridiculous. And in attack, he's so smart. And you mentioned it, right? The two center backs for England. How are they going to deal with Giroud, right? They're, they're fullbacks. How are they going to deal with Dembele and, and uh, Mbappe? But essentially for me, just as you mentioned, how are they going to deal with Griezmann? Because I think if you shut Griezmann down, you're shutting down a big part of that French attack. The thing is, the other big part that's left, <laughs> yeah, it's Mbappe, I know. Dembele and Giroud. So... You know, it's 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 going to be interesting. I think you have to try and nullify uh, Griezmann. The thing is, by doing that, I don't know how much you're going to change tactics or, or players sure. or formations if you're England. Uh, so that that's going to be a very very interesting, very interesting watch in uh, in my opinion. I think I think if if you were to do this strategy, let's say you know like a box and one type of strategy, I think it works twofold. In that it will take France at least the first half to adapt to that new strategy. So that gives you that first half. And hopefully, if you're looking on paper, covering Griezmann is a much easier thing for Henderson to do as opposed to trying to take out Mbappe, right? I think you have the personnel in the center to box Griezmann in and to try to limit what he can do. Because I think, you know, what you're trying to do with these teams, especially when you are the underdog, you got to make them uncomfortable in some sort of way because this is a national team. These aren't the regular club teams that have years and years and years and matches of experience, right? These are teams that are usually put together. Now what happens when the, when the shit hits the fan, right? When it's not going well, you know, and that's what I'm curious about the Croatia Brazil game, because I can see Croatia just muddying it up and fighting and being really physical with Brazil. Obviously I know Brazil can handle that, but we haven't really seen a team that's not maybe scared of Brazil, right? To take the fight to them. And so I think those are the things that you look at, especially in these matches, because these little changes, these little strategies, you can scout, but if you do something new in a wrinkle, like that throws the whole thing into a loop. And then all of a sudden you have an advantage for the halftime and maybe you score an orderly goal and that's how you get the upset. Because on paper, like you said, France runs away with this. You run a simulation, I bet you they win 99 out of 100 times. Probably. No, and... And, and I agree. No, a thousand percent. I agree. It's just a matter of another thing as well. And nothing against Southgate, right? Nothing like that. But tactically speaking, is he good enough, let's yeah. say, to, to pull that off, right? Because like, we're sitting here, we're talking about it, and you know, maybe we're right. Maybe we're very right. But executing it is, is another thing. It's a whole sure. other thing. Uh, sure. So 
I don't know. Maybe 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 Didier Deschamps. Maybe he does something and he changes it up and he surprises. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he no. has to change that that winning strategy. But you never know. And then, like you said, if England could get a goal or two, especially in the first half, throw France off, and France are going to have to look for the game. Who knows what happens? I think if France scores first, yeah, I think it's over. I, really I think, think so too. France scores first. If England scores first, I think. Ooh, that's gonna be yeah. That's gonna be something as well. Um, and let's not forget England's aerial strength as well when it comes to set pieces. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, when we look at these last teams, just to kind of finish off our conversation here, you know, when we're looking at these last teams. You know, I'm not surprised by any of these teams winning this round. You know, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so shocked if you told me that Morocco pulled an upset or if Croatia pulled the upset, maybe I would be the most surprised with that, right? But I think at this stage right now with the amount of talent and the disparity that has closed the gap on that, I think, you know, I wouldn't be so surprised. And that's what's, I think, really my favorite part about the World Cup in this stage is that anything can happen. It's totally unpredictable. And who is going to be the most mentally tough of these players to fight through? And just, especially when you go into extra time, because, you you know, all these players are putting all their effort and energy for this World Cup, and especially since they're in prime shape, since, you know, this is the first time we're having it uh, in November, December. Yeah, that's going to be a whole other thing. How do you manage that? And and to your point, I think, you know, prior to the start of the World Cup, if you would have asked most people, hey, you know, what eight teams would you expect in the quarterfinals? I think it would be the teams we have right now, you know, maybe not Morocco, maybe Spain instead. But essentially, it would probably, you know, at least maybe six of the eight teams you'd expect. Right? You'd expect Argentina, Brazil, uh, Portugal, England, France, maybe another team in there. You're like, yeah, you know, that's you know six of the eight, let's say. So there's not much surprises. I think the surprises we got in the group stages. Uh, now it's, as you mentioned, I think anybody could beat anybody. I think any one of these eight teams... Bar Morocco, and I full respect to Morocco, and I'll be cheering them on. Bar Morocco, I think seven of the eight teams, if you were to tell me before the start of the World Cup, hey, these guys are going to win the World Cup, I could see it happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a shock. Uh, and the other thing as well is it's it's fatigue. It's yeah. really fatigue. Morocco, I'm not mistaken, Morocco is the only team that went 120 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yep. Or no, Croatia as well. Sorry, Croatia went to, to penalties as well. So, I think I think it affects Croatia the most because they play the first game tomorrow, right? I think yeah. that's going to, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they play first, so. But what, let me let me ask you this really quick before we finish. I mean, what's the most Croatian thing ever is them going into extra time, right? They love extra time. Man. <laughs> they do. They do. Thousand eighteen. <laughs> do you have any last thoughts about this round or the World Cup in general? I'm not expecting any upsets. Okay. Um, I'm not. By that, I mean, traditionally speaking, Argentina and Netherlands aside, because those teams at World Cups always get the best of each other. Uh, That match aside, I'm not expecting any surprises. I think, traditionally speaking, whatever team you would expect to win, I think that's what we're going to get in the quarterfinals. I mean, this is is where legends are born, right? I mean, this is where we talk about these moments, you know, maybe that Mbappe goal that happens or a Neymar moment. You know, these are the the superstar moments I think that we look for as football fans. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited for these matches. I mean, obviously I have my whole weekend planned around them. So I'm looking forward to that. Roy, where can they find you online? Yeah. Uh, so I'm on, uh, well, it's um, www.mundoaldiceleste.com. If that's too difficult, I get it. It's too long. 
Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Roy Nemer, uh, N-E-M-E-R. It's on there. And uh, you'll find everything on there, on YouTube, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy following you and you always have good information on Argentina as always. So, Roy, thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, man. Anytime. Glad to be here. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.